Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer-director star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. We are back and we have our 22-2022 Fantasy Football Rankings are live. You can go to fantasyfootball.theringer.com and check out our rankings right now. Perhaps you're listening to this pod right now on fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Oh, so yeah. Thank you. Whoa. Yeah, baby. Whoa. Click that play button. Wow. We have ranked the top 200 players for fantasy this season and luckily... Even though we're recording this episode on May 9th, the top 200 is perfect. We figured it all out. Nailed it. We're not yeah. doing any summer shows. This is it. No updates. No notes. So we ranked the top 200. Today, we're going to focus on the top 10 players. And if we're being honest, it's May. We The draft just happened. We don't <laughs> have to go math, data, science, logic. Un-American things. No, it's yeah. not. It's almost summer. The weather's getting nicer in the East Coast. Like, we want to give it a light. We're doing the top 10, and we're going on gut feels. This is like the gut top 10 of like, you want that guy? Really? Vibes. Exactly. So these are our gut vibes as red-blooded Americans. I'm so excited to talk about this. This episode, we're just going to debate and battle and spar about our top 10s and who has the best one and who has the worst one. It's going to be great. <laughs> so we're just going to go into Shit. it. We all reserve the right. We Normally, we would reserve the right to change our minds about all this later because it's may but we actually all got everything perfectly so we don't we're not going to change any of these opinions over the next four months so yeah again, i'm not that's very lucky so again you can see the full top 10 and the full 200 at fantasyfootball.theringer.com but here's our gut top 10 and this is going to be a gut based conversation <laughs> so the composite rankings of craig dk and i here is our top 10 in the ringer rankings we have jonathan taylor Number one, and this is we're going to read the half PPR rankings today. Jonathan Taylor's number one. Cooper Cup is number two. Receiver at number two. Austin Eckler for the Chargers is at three. Derek Henry for the Titans is at four. We have Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers at five. I'm going to need to talk to you guys about that because I have mixed feelings. 
Jamar Chase is at six, our number two receiver. Justin Jefferson's at seven, our number three receiver. And then we've got Najee Harris is at eight for the Steelers. Joe Mixon is at nine for the Bengals. And then 10, our guy, Leonard Fournette. Lenny season. <laughs> so that's the top 10. Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette. Okay. Lot to talk about with this top 10. I want to run through everything. Let's just spend a little bit. Jonathan Taylor, unanimous number one. I think this is the only thing we're not going to argue about. I don't think any, I don't think there's any argument this year. I don't know who's going to put him not number one. Yeah, who who would just displace him? There's I think already we're kind of like weirded out by the fact that Cooper Cup is number two, which we'll get into, but like there's no one else, I think, in the in the stratosphere of Jonathan Taylor right now, right? No, I was actually gonna bring that up. I was like, is this the most surefire number one we've had in a while? I, I it always does feel like there is a consensus number one most of the time. Like it's been McCaffrey for the last three yeah. years. Um just like going backwards, like, you know, there was times when it was like clearly Adrian Peterson, it was clearly Arian Foster. There always seems to be a consensus number one. Yeah, I think that Jonathan Taylor has it because, I mean, well, 1,800 yards and 18 touchdowns last year. That's the extent of the math I'll do. But really, there was just three running backs that people actually felt like trusted by the end of the year. And then Derrick Henry is one of them. He broke his foot. And it really, I felt like it was Jonathan Taylor. And honestly, I feel like Austin Eckler was the only guy with you factor in health and production that you felt like the people who had them on their teams were like, this is money in the bank. And then coming in, you're like, who's going to do that again? It's Jonathan Taylor, right, way more right. likely to me. And this is Taylor's third quarterback in three years, right? Like he, he had yeah. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and now he has Matt Ryan. Uh, and it kind of, he just, it, this is a, he's, he's going to be 23 this year. And there's every, all the stars have aligned for him to just go nuts again. Yeah. So I, we, yeah, I think Taylor, I think anywhere you look, it's going to be Taylor number one. I, I actually almost want to find some fantasy analyst who's going to have the hot take that Taylor's not number one, but he, he's number one. Okay. Much more interesting question. I think this is the single biggest question entering fantasy football this season. So what the what the hell do we do with Christian McCaffrey? You almost said what the <laughs> fuck. You can't. You can I, do I that. almost. Did. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Yeah, Heifetz has him at number two. DK has him at number six, and I have him at number nine. So that should show you uh, where we're at. And it was not a consensus how we figured out where he was ranked. I think the key point, though, I have him two. Craig has him at nine. I bet we don't agree disagree on a single fact. <laughs> You're like right. that's the point, right? It's more <laughs> about like philosophy of the of Christian McCaffrey because we always say to people every year, you know, you can't win your first round, you win your league in the first round, but you can lose it, right? That's that right. Matthew Barryism, right. and McCaffrey is like this real test because in theory he's played ten games in the last two years, and it seems like if you take him and he gets hurt, you lose. But yet passing up on Christian McCaffrey when he's like 25 points per game in the bank. I kind of feel like a moron if he's, I don't know, if he's healthy for 16 games, you're going to lose sleep overnight not taking him. Yeah. Yeah, it's risky, right? There's some risk involved. Heifetz, I'm surprised you have him at two. I feel like we have talked in the past few months about how, has there ever been a guy who's missed this many games? Right. This this into his career and return to the status where he once was, which was the number one overall player in fantasy. Yeah. Like, has that ever happened before? And you're kind of saying like, yeah, I think it might. So I th so I I did a deep dive in this and I'm very torn because on one hand it's exactly what Craig's saying where I I I do feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I did I was very pessimistic <laughs> because again he's missed a lot of time like he's played ten games in two seasons like think about that since the pandemic happened Christian McCaffrey's played ten football games since 2019 so, he's yeah. played ten football games I wanted to go through and I just tried searching. 
if there is any comparison for a running back that has been that good, like, and I mean like a top two, top three fantasy football running back, and then gotten back to like close to that level, like top five again after missing a year. So here, this is not like a whole exhaustive list, but this is the best I could do. I found five names. Mm-hmm. Four are total stretches. And I'm not counting. A couple guys did it. And then like with this, uh, first of all, for pe- someone who missed in, uh, two seasons, mostly due to injury, zero. Like I couldn't find anybody. So even just going to one injury or one season where you missed mostly due to injury, not counting like Le'Veon Bell getting suspended for pot or Adrian Peterson suspended for a year, not counting suspensions. There's really only five guys that have anything close to McCaffrey. And they are, I mean, stretching Edger and James, Missed some time in like 2001 after leading the league in rush a couple years in a row. Okay. But like that was 10 games in one season. That, that one doesn't really count. Ricky Williams was really good and then had a knee wow. injury. But like yeah. the season he came back was the Wildcat season for the Dolphins. Like that doesn't really count. And so the other random one, Doug Martin for the Bucks. Oh, yeah. Who was good as a rookie injury plagued stuff year two and three. And then randomly had like 1,400 yards in year four. But even Doug good. Martin, like, he wasn't, it was like a shoulder injury. He still played way more games than McCaffrey did. DeMarco Murray, who again, not a perfect mm-hmm. comp. He was a little disappointing, had this crazy season with the Cowboys. He was really good. Went to the Eagles, huge disappointment, and it was fine on the Titans. But even then, like, it wasn't like DeMarco Murray was ever the best running back in the NFL. He was like a fantasy guy getting a lot of yards. And then Arian Foster, 2013, he got hurt and came back in one more year. And that was it. The only person that's actually, like, none of those are perfect comps, though. There's one name, though, that actually made me hopeful for Christian McCaffrey. Are you ready? First of all, can anyone guess? I've been waiting. No, I don't know. It's Jamal Charles. Oh. Jamal Charles is the only guy. Well, he tore his ACL like week one, right? Yeah, I think week one of 2011. And uh-huh. he, I think he was top three in the year in 2010. And he came back the next year and he was number eight. And then the year after that, he was number one in all of fantasy. In but that's still only one year. It's only one year, but I'll say this. One, it's nice because Jamal Charles actually has like a Christian McCaffrey skill set. And again, everybody's different. That was 10 years ago. Obviously, every injury is different. McCaffrey has a lot of freak injuries or just things that, you know, you don't don't seem big, but it's more additive. But I have to say the flip side is you also have Todd Gurley was the number one fantasy running back two years in a row and dropped off the face of the earth. David Johnson was the number one running back, dropped off the face of the earth. Le'Veon Bell was great, sat out a year, like not taking punishment came back, was on the Jets for one year, and then, like, can't even get a job. It's, I don't know if I've ever in my life seen a boom-bust player like McCaffrey coming into 2022. I just, yeah, I'm, all, I'm I'm with Craig on this one. I'm surprised that you put him at number two because you're typically, like, it's too risky, move him. Like, last year with uh, Saquon Barkley, which ended up being really right, by the way, you were just like, there's no way. He's coming off of multiple injuries, blah, blah, blah. Bad offense, bad quarterback. Same situation with uh, the Panthers, by the way. And I don't know. It just it surprises me. It's like, are you turning over a new leaf? Are you did you go base jumping or something and get like an adrenaline junkie thing going on here? Or what's what's happening here? So I'm also torn. And again, being transparent, part of this might just be because it's May. And again, we're doing gut feeling. I did really want no, and <laughs> I did want to stick down. to that. Yeah. I did want to stick to that because I didn't want to make, you know, our initial round based on theory or too much. It really was like, are you am I actually gonna make this pick right now? And maybe when there's actual consequences. And I'm in like a league with my friends and I have to roll with this. Maybe I'll be too afraid. But right now, I thought what was going to happen was I was going to be too afraid to click the select button on Christian McCaffrey. 
What actually happened to me as I prepped for this was I was way too afraid to pass on him. The mm. FOMO was too high. In reality, maybe <laughs> putting him above Eckler and, and Henry's a little ridiculous, but the but not taking Christian McCaffrey was eating me up inside. And I'm kind of curious to see if I still feel the way over the next few months. I yeah. I, I'm definitely going to try. I think this year I will be contrarian and I'll be like the injuries are random. You know, draft the guy who you think can put up the best numbers because anybody can get hurt. While I do believe in that with probably 99% of players, McCaffrey has scarred me. It's shocking that he's only 25 years old. He turns 26 next month. Feels like he's been in the league for 10 years and that we've been talking about him as the number one overall pick for 10 years. <laughs> but... I, to me, there's like so many good running backs now, like guys like Henry Mixon, Najee Harris. They're, I just see them all as, I don't know, the risk feels lower for them and the production feels similar. And and the Panthers suck. This is going to be like the worst Panthers year of McCaffrey's career where he, if he plays a full 16 games, like this team is going to be awful. I know that hasn't really stopped him in the past, but well, I don't know. To that point though, like, I think the question mark here is there's also there's many many question marks, but um, with him being injured for the better part of two seasons now, like is this actually the reason for the Panthers to like take their foot off the brake a little bit, or sorry, take their foot off the gas a little bit in terms of how they utilize him? Because in the past it's been just like mash it to the floor. We're gonna use him. <laughs> Until he completely falls apart, which has happened both <laughs> seasons, right? And yes. people have been complaining about it. People have been like, I don't know if this is the best use of, uh, you know, this asset to their team, essentially, because they paid a whole lot of money for this for this guy now, too. Um, and, like, it's just not good for him. It's not good for the team. Maybe now they finally start to, like, kind of mix in some other guys. They did sign Deontay Foreman um, in the offseason. Not that that's, like, going to move the needle, you know what I mean? But, like, I don't know, like... In addition to everything else about like him getting re-injured, like maybe the usage is finally not going to be there like it used to be because that was like the one thing you could bank on with McCaffrey is like he's going to get elite, elite like magnitudes of like orders of magnitude more usage than everybody else because that was just how the Panthers rolled. But like, does this ish the, the injury history the last two seasons finally like make them sort of step and be like, okay, look, we can't run him into the ground so to speak again this year. Um, so that's another reason I'm just a little bit like hesitant to put him at number two. Um, by the way, I kind of feel like I, I'm not confident in like any running back anymore. Like I'm kind of the opposite of Craig. Well, like, I, I want to ask you about that because I there's look, there's our positional rankings and then there's how we've put them together. And it's like, mm -hmm. OK, here's how the first round. I was stunned by your top 10 DK. So DK, your top 10 stunned with Jonathan Taylor. I, I, well, that's not in a bad way. I just like chutzpah. Like, you, so you, or, you have Jonathan Taylor, number one. You got Cooper Cup number two, yeah. Jamar Chase three, Justin Jefferson four. So three of your top four players are wide receivers. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I love it. <laughs> I'm done. Why? I like DK. Thank just you, like Craig. screw running back. You never know. Go full zero RB receivers. Is, yeah, just receivers produce. You know what I mean? <laughs> Justin Jefferson's gonna have 1,400 yards. He's just gonna. So like, fuck that's it. what I'm saying. Cooper Cup was the league winner. I'm not gonna say he's gonna do the exact same thing this year again. Receiving uh, triple crown. But Jamar Chase, <laughs> Justin Jefferson, all these guys, I feel like if they can stay healthy, and, and you know, that's always, who knows, but like I think receivers have a better chance of staying healthy than running backs, then you're sitting on that guy's like you're the cornerstone of your team, the cornerstone of your championship team. Um, I understand in the past it's been much more like useful to have a, a anchor running back at, early on. Like but take that elite running back and then like you can do whatever the rest of the rounds. But I've gotten to the point where I don't really trust 
Christian McCaffrey, which is what we talked about. I don't really trust Austin Eckler to put together the same kind of workload in 2022 as he did in 2021. That's why they picked Isaiah Spiller, I think. They've been trying to find a guy that kind of like take the load off for him. And I think he's even said himself he'd rather not have that heavy of a workload. He said that in a fantasy context, too, because he's like the running back who plays fantasy football. And he said he he should be the first overall pick in drafts. And they asked him why. He said... Because I'm going to make sure I play all 16 games, even if I have to tell coaches, like, hey, don't give me too many touches, like, per game. I mm-hmm. need to be ready for all 16 games. Yeah. I don't particularly trust Derrick Henry. I mean, this is, we have this conversation every season, but yes, the Henry thing is a question mark. I definitely don't trust guys like Leonard Fournette and James Conner, even though I do have them ranked in my top 10. I just, I find I, I'm having trust issues. I don't trust these running backs at all. I don't trust the teams. I don't trust the running backs. I don't know. That's just that's where I am. I try. I went. This is like again. You guys talk about this. This is a gut feel draft. This is the gut feel top ten. If I'm taking one player in the first round, which is how drafts work, <laughs> typically, uh, I want a guy I can absolutely lean on and trust. And that's why that's why my rankings came out. Cup Chase Jefferson right there at two, three, four. You want to know the real answer to could anybody usurp Jonathan Taylor? It's Cooper Cup. Uh, if honestly, if somebody was like, you can have one player in the first yeah. round. Yeah. I might just be like, I'll just take Cooper Cup. Yeah. This is the don't lose in the first round, like, method. Right? Like, he's just going to get you 100 yards every game. And, like, you know what? They eat breakfast together. Him so and Stafford. Here's my, the breakfast Here's club. my bone to pick with the receiving thing. I'm, I had Cooper Cup as my number one receiver. And I had Justin Jefferson as my number two. Both of you had Jamar Chase over Justin Jefferson, which actually really surprised me. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd be in the minority of having Justin Jefferson over Jamar Chase. Why? I, I mean, I love Jamar Chase, and I believe me, I like love Jamar Chase. I have him three. I just kind of thought Justin Jefferson's kind of earned being the, the second guy. Like, the reality is I think there's, like, less competition in Minnesota. Like, Cincinnati, like, they still have T. Higgins, who's really good. They have Tyler Boyd. I, also, I'm, like, not completely convinced the Bengals do want to be throwing for 500 yards every game now that they have a better offensive line. I'm not convinced that they won't want to run Joe, Joe Mixon more. That's why I think I have Mixon higher than Craig does. I don't know. I love Jamar Chase, but I just kind of feel like, gun to my head, I do think Justin Jefferson will have a better year. Chase outscored Jefferson last year. Chase did outscore Jefferson last year. And for just what it's worth, I have Mixon higher than you, I think, you bozo. <laughs> You have so. mixed it up. Oh, well, there you see, we're just getting going here at the rankings. Uh, yeah, what, Jamar Chase score outscored Justin Jefferson by four points, and they both played 16 games. To me, I'm like, the sky's the limit. Now they have a better offensive line, so now Burrow is not going to get hammered after you're two, two seconds. You're two. You're two jumps. Yeah, too. they were terrified to even put Burrow back there at the beginning of the last season because they were afraid he's going to get hurt. This is an interesting philosophical question. Do you guys think that the Bengals become this like, it, like, like, is this just Joe Burrow's team now and Joe Burrow's just going to get to, like, rain fire like Khaleesi and just throwing for 450 yards against Baltimore because he's just straight up mad at their defensive coordinator? Or do you think that they do want to be more balanced? Because I, I don't know how much of the... I feel like the Bengals do want to run and, like, they're more capable of it now. I don't think they have to pass, like, a ton more for Jamar Chase to still have an elite season. Yeah, also, like... They were pretty reserved last year. I had him yeah. in fantasy. And like the first, yeah. I mean, Burrow was doing great with touchdowns and that's what was keeping him alive. But he wasn't, I think like the first three games of the season, he like didn't even eclipse 300 yards. Like they were really keeping him at bay. I, I think it's going to be like a rising tide lifts all boats. Like I think that's why I'm high on Mixon. I'm high on all the Bengals wide receivers and I'm high on Burrow. I just think the offense is going to be humming and really good, mainly because of this offensive line improvement. So yeah. that's why I, I think the sky's the limit for, for everybody on Cincinnati. 
I'm just wary of just the Super Bowl team. The Bengals make the Super Bowl, and I feel like they're the hot team. Everyone loves like Jamar Chase. Everyone loves Joe Burrow. And those guys just generally get overdrafted. To be clear, it is fun to have those dudes. But sometimes I'm just wary of just the guys that are too much fun to have and kind of paying the premium. Like, I don't know. Like, is it, I just feel in my gut that Jamar Chase as a first-round player is more likely to disappoint me. We you know should I mean? do you know we should do a draft because this I, I do think you're right, Hype. It's like players a lot of times you draft based on how players did the year before, right? Like I, that's why Cooper Cup is so high, even though I yeah, think you we want all to draft what they're going to do, not what we they all did. acknowledge that Cooper Cup probably isn't going to do the triple crown again. It, it, this was an outlier season for him. This is an outlier season for the history of the NFL, blah blah blah. So we're we're all acknowledging that he might he's probably not going to be what he was last year. However, I still have none of us have the courage to put him not it's, first. This is what I'm getting to is like we should do like the out of like the the sack up like rankings of like the <laughs> players that you actually think are going to break out because it's never like it hardly ever in fantasy is like at the top ten at the beginning of year or at May in May even uh, even remotely close to like who how the top ten ends up in real fantasy. Yeah, right? but. Cup could have had 30 less yards a game and he still would have been the number one artist in fantasy. <laughs> right. I think it, so, but my point is like, we should do just, maybe we do an episode where we're like, okay, if it's not going to be the favorite, like basically it's like the sleeper top 10 of like the, t- the players that are actually going to be the top 10 players. <laughs> you know fantasy. what we should do is we should do the 2023 top 10 rankings in 2022. Oh my God. Something like that. We're going to do that now. <laughs> and just pretend that it's 2023 and we just talk about how they did last year. But I think I think we got to acknowledge though that you're correct, Ty. It's it's like you sort of just have to you have to not be like a coward, and you have to like go way out of like the fucking like range of ADP and stuff. So if, if I'm not being a coward, I, and this is so weird to say because I love Jamar Chase and I love watching Jamar Chase play, I just kind of feel like in this year he's just not going to be a top three receiver. I think he'll merely be comfortably comfortably in the top eight, which is like me like that's a lukewarm take. I'm just saying. <laughs> I wouldn't take him three, and I'm not convinced I want him in the first round. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like there's a chance he's just like the number one receiver, like by a mile. Also, possible. you know what I mean? Like, he I, has I like 183 touchdowns in week one, and we're like, <laughs> also Man. possible. I'm a moron. We could play this in a year and be like, wow, Jamar Chase is the first 2,000 yard receiver, and Heifetz is a right, fucking idiot. Right. Can we linger on Cincinnati? Because I want to talk about Mixon for a second. The more I think about Mixon, I don't know why he's not in contention for the number one overall running back. Like I have him as my fifth player in the draft as my, as my fourth running back. And I already am like, this guy's 25 years old. Like what is the downside to Joe Mixon's fantasy season? They didn't do anything on the running back uh, field. They, they have Samaji P Ryan and Chris Evans still as the backup. Mixon had 1500 yards, 16 touchdowns last year. He played 16 games. He's like in the Najee Harris zone ish in terms of workload. He's, uh, and they upgraded their own line. They brought in Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins. Like, I don't know. I, the only reason why he's not with with Jonathan Taylor and Najee, I guess, is like he's not really that much of a receiver yet. We've kind of been hearing it. Like he doesn't, if he was in like the 60 catch range, I think he's like wide receiver two or three. I mean, running back two or three. But what is there? Somebody dissuade me from picking Joe Mixon in the top five. Yeah, I'm the one who had him lowest here. Um and I'm already sort of like waffling on that because you're right. You make good points. Like he's attached to like a ascending superstar quarterback. Like this is going to be a really good offense. I think they upgraded their offensive line. I don't know. I think maybe it's just like my bias against Mixon in terms of like him not 
exceeding expectations the last few years, I think, is holding me back or whatever. Like, falling short of expectations or whatever. Last year, he was really good, but... Yeah, I'll tell you the truth. It has nothing to do with, like, stats or a case. It's just Joe Mixon is not actually an exciting player to watch because Joe Mixon racks up all his numbers. If you, like, he gets, he'll have 160 uh, yards in a game, but it's because he had 28 carries. I don't think Joe Mixon has a lot of highlights. Like, when you watch Todd Gurley, when you watch Christian McCaffrey, these other players, they're, like, electric. They're really fun. The reality is... Joe Mixon is stylistically a really talented plotter for what was until very recently one of the absolute most boring offenses to watch in the entire NFL in one of the smallest markets in the country. And I don't think, you know, he was really even a particularly useful fantasy asset until like the last year and a half. So it's just kind of weird to think about him even in contention for number one. But if you just think about how much times he's going to touch the ball for what is now an elite offense. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, isn't this is just one of those things where, like, it's week five and we're like, yeah, why didn't we? I mean, what was there to dislike in this situation of his? Yeah. Yeah. Probably should be ranked higher. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house, everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Another thing I wanted to ask you guys about, while we're talking about this guys in the AFC North, we're going to get a lot of touches. Najee Harris for the Steelers, who I've... I, I, I also went the other way on McCaffrey, and I went the other way on Najee Harris. Entering this year, I was convinced of myself that Najee Harris was going to be like top three for me. I backed out because I just kind of don't know what to make of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where are they going to maybe they'll have Trubisky week one, maybe they'll have Kenny Pickett, but I just couldn't separate how much of Najee's value was like dump off passes from Ben Roethlisberger and PPR. And I kind of am just wondering what the Steelers offense, if it's going to be good. The flip side is he's going to play like 95% of the snaps. So maybe I'm overthinking it. Craig, you have him at two. Are, I don't know. Are you a Steelers homer or am I a coward? I'm hurt by that claim because <laughs> it's not like I've, I've been like, I guess I like Claypool, but it's not like I've been like hyping up Steelers players in the past. It's not like last year. I was like, Deontay should be a top 10 guy. Uh, Najee Harris was the RB4. He was the fourth best running back in fantasy last year. I'm just projecting him to be two spots higher than that. Uh, and he was the RB4 with no offensive line, kind of like no offensive game plan, with Ben Roethlisberger, who was a mess. Um, he was he was the, the only running back in the top 13 running backs in terms of yards. So of the guys who had the, the most yards in the league, the 13 running backs with the most yards rushing in the league, he was the only one with less than four yards per carry. And I know that sounds bad, but I, I see that as a good thing because like the only way to go is up. He led all running backs <laughs> and catches as a rookie. 
Uh, he was second in the league in carries. Like, no one's going to push Najee Harris. And I think the offense is going to be better. I think the offensive line is going to be better. They brought in two guys, Mason Cole and James Daniels. I think the QB, QB play will be better. I think the offense is just going to be, like, more dynamic and make more sense because now Matt Canada is going to be able to do what he wants. I just don't really see why, once again, kind of in the Mixon range, and the reason he's higher than Mixon is because he's a better receiver. So it's like, I don't know. What is Once again, what is there to dislike? I think the Steelers are going to be better. I think that's totally fair. It was the efficiency thing that's kind of worrisome. But like, maybe they do. But get he was the running efficient. back four yeah. with no efficiency. What What are we worried about? Yeah, but that that leaves very little room for little wiggle room for him playing less. You know what I mean? Like if he, but if it they leaves way more him. wiggle room in terms of you know him not being horribly inefficient. <laughs> I think right. DK's point is that there's a lot we don't know about the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger has been there forever, and there's just a lot of things we don't know. For example. The Steelers are one of the last teams that play their running backs like more than 90% of snaps. Is that something that the coaching staff and Tomlin always wanted? Or is that something Roethlisberger always wanted? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is that uh, an example of, as DK is saying, if Najee Harris doesn't play 95% of the snaps, he really should be going in like the 40s. Or the other flip side I say is that Steelers fans have been so upset with their inability to run the ball. But I also think the Steelers have not been able to run because Ben Roethlisberger was so freaking old. He was always in shotgun. And then the, the running back's just standing there flat-footed, getting the ball in his belly instead of running forward. And so I do think now that they're actually going to have Trubisky or Pickett either way, they're going to have way, probably way more efficiency. And I'm kind of wondering if they're, Najee's going to be like way more efficient per carry and then maybe still have the volume. So... I feel like not. Also, for being honest, Najee Harris is one of the single most fun players in the entire league. We're talking about vibes and gut. Najee Harris is as fun as any NFL player right now to just follow, to follow on Instagram, like to follow on YouTube, just to like see the post game interviews and be like, that guy's on my team. He's like possibly a number one pick. And he had 74. Dude, he had 94 targets. That's crazy. Yeah, he had 74 catches last year as a rookie. But that's because Roethlisberger was old, and that's the two things with Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger leaves, he's not going to have 94 targets again. But Roethlisberger leaves, he'll probably be, be able to run more because he's not old. He's I'm excited so old. to see. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this offense looks like with uh, Ben Roethlisberger out of it because, like, you hear all this stuff about Matt Canada wanting to run all motion and, and make things so much more difficult on the defense. Maybe that'll open things up for Harris and, like, make gaps a little bit wider and all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I, you make a compelling point. I mean, I have him at seven, so it's not like I'm super low on him or anything. But um, I mean, yeah, if he gets more efficient, in this offense that improves. Which honestly, like Kenny Pickett might just be flat out better than Roethlisberger. Can we zoom out though on our rankings? Because I think that there's overall, I think there's a good point to make here. What our rankings actually are for half PPR right now. We have the consensus number one running back, Jonathan Taylor, is one. We have the consensus number one receiver. Cooper Cup is number is number two, but he's the number one receiver. And then what we have is a sea of seven running backs or that we just don't really know what to do with. And then we have the two receivers, Jamar Chase and Jefferson. So we have the Taylor number one cup. And then we have the three legacy guys that have been really good and we kind of are afraid to bet on again. So we have Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey. They're all different. They're all the exact freaking same. They've been really good. You know who they are. You've watched them play. And they're, if they are healthy, they're going to be great. And with McCaffrey's been hurt forever. With Derrick Henry, we're worried he's going to get hurt right as soon as we buy in. And then with Eckler, he's like the little engine we could. Then we're worried that as soon as we buy in, he's going to like, you know, the lights <laughs> will go out and he, we can't do this. Keep going. 
And then we have a little interlude with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, the cool, shiny new toy receivers. And then are just these other running backs that we're afraid to buy in all the way. So as we just said, Joe Mixon's there. Najee Harris is there. And the other two dudes are Leonard Fournette, who is just like the forgotten man. Like he was, I mean, sixth or seventh in points per game last year, still in Tampa Bay. And then there's Dalvin Cook, who new coaching staff, and he's also got this legal situation. We don't even know how many freaking games Dalvin Cook will play this year. So we kind of just, ha- and then there's Devontae's on the Raiders. We don't know. And then also kind of James Conner, who's in Arizona. And then I think all those dudes are in contention to be in the top 10. But I think that as we sit here in May, I think that the gut check we're talking about is this mix of like, in a weird way, these young guys like Mixon and Najee Harris were tepid about endorsing them. And then we're also kind of tepid about the older veterans and kind of buying in. But there's not as much excitement in the first round as there's been in previous years. You know what I mean? Like there's not hype. Well, that's because there's that's I think it really does come back again to what I said earlier is like, I don't trust any of these guys. If Javante, if the if the Broncos hadn't freaking signed Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams would be like a fresh, fresh air in this area. But they Antonio did. Gibson, the Washington brought back J.D. McKissick yeah. and then drafted Brian Robinson. So instead of Antonio Gibson ascending, he's going down. You're so right about Javante Williams. Doesn't seem like he'll get the full workload for the Broncos. And, yeah. and then Russell you got Wilson. guys like DeAndre Swift, who relies heavily on pass catching. We don't know if the volume is going to be there for him in that area. He wasn't very good on the ground. You got Nick Chubb, who's the opposite, like a zero and as a pass catcher, but he's awesome on the ground. Um, Saquon Barkley is just this wild card who the hell knows what's going to go with that ezekiel elliott's getting old aaron jones getting a little bit older there and he's gonna be I was thinking time. someone like, we were robbed of is debo samuel could have been really fun but the whole trade situation and then even the whisper that he doesn't want to do the running back thing just makes him like way less yeah. of an exciting player to like bet on even in the second round so i don't know i think the weird part is i look at like leonard fournette james connor if i really wanted a hot take thing i'm like i look at the actual situations and i'm like I have James Conner. I, I have him 11th because I'm a coward. I should have had him in the top 10. But we're talking about the the coward top, the, the what's actually going to happen. If I look at these situations, I could see James Conner and Leonard Fournette without much competition in this backfield. It's like totally beating out the Austin Eckler's of the world. So maybe you're right. We take the receivers in the first round. I don't know. I like the, I like that Fournette and Connor. It's like the old uncles of the fantasy football world. Just gonna come in and dominate. And like this is like pickup basketball, where the guys with knee pads and like elbow pads come in. Goggles. And just like, He's balding. <laughs> just like dominate. I know that I'm like I'm making a joke because they're like 26 years old, but like you know, it's just the, it, it's funny because it seems like we gave up on these guys. Uh, you know, I know I did, and then now they're like fully back top 10 guys. I mean, Heifetz, to to touch on your point there, like can I just if somebody would have said last year or two years ago that, hey, in 2022, your first round pick is going to be James Conner. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what's weird. But the steel, but the Cardinals running back coach is is the old Steelers running backs coach. Yeah. And they they don't they didn't really draft a running back super high. They got they, Chase Edmonds left Arizona and they have Eno Benjamin. What, DK, where was Eno Benjamin drafted? Sixth round. Was he even a sixth, sixth, yes, yeah, sixth they rounder? Have, you know, Benjamin and Keontae Ingram, another sixth rounder. So there's like very little competition. He's it's just, just going to be hard mentally to be like, I yes. have the 10th pick in the draft. I'm going to draft James Conner. I yeah. completely agree. Gut, gut, James Conner's not a first rounder. Absolutely. Leonard Fournette, I kind of think is like Ronald Jones left Tampa Bay. And my gut is actually, this is an insanely talented guy who played for the Jaguars and the Jaguars are the Jaguars. And then he went with Tom Brady and he's been great. And then Ronald Jones left. 
And now he's got this backfield. So Lenny, I'm more comfortable with. Also, we irrationally love Lenny. Well, they did they did draft a guy in the third round, Rashad White, but that's a huge question. For Honestly, I'll, yeah. I'll be concerned about a rookie running back stealing Brady's work when I see it. Totally agree. I had Lenny just outside my top 10. And yeah, I, I you know, can you guys think of another player who like, I don't know. He's almost like if Trent Richardson worked like and came back. Yeah. I can't. Yes. I can't believe good, he had this. Call. Like he was okay in Jacksonville. They kind of just pounded him into the ground. Then his career kind of felt like it was going by the wayside. And then he has this resurgence, and now he's like a fringe first rounder. Like yeah. it's a really odd career. <laughs> but it makes me feel better because the talent was always there. Yeah. Right. And then you actually see it, and then he wins the Super Bowl, and you kind of see it, like, okay, well, he's earned Tom Brady's trust. That's kind of enough for me. And then Brady comes back. Brady's asking Leonard Fournette to come back. They're getting rid of Ronald Jones. The fact that they have the confidence to bring Lenny back. Also, he was sixth in points per game last year. You know what I mean? He's when great. Ronald Jones was there. So I, I think Lenny is the vibe check, but I think that's kind of my overall. We're talking about gut top 10. I think my gut with this was, man, there's, it, it, <laughs> I'm not trying to be some like stock prognosticator right now, but it's kind of like, it's not clear what, the safe money is. I don't know what a safe investment in the first round is anymore. If you have Jonathan Taylor, or Cooper cup, you're like, yeah, I love it. Depending how you feel about Austin Eckler, but he did have 20 touchdowns last year. You know what? Depending how you feel about whether that can happen again, but is Derek Henry safe? Is Christian McCaffrey safe? I kind of don't know if Jamar chase is safe. If you're betting on him to be top two, I guess realistically chase and Jefferson are, but after that, Najee Mixon, Fournette, you know, Dalvin, Devante, James Connor, it, the, the safety drops pretty precipitously. Well, we think of the first round almost in a, uh, I don't know, like you said, if it's like, and this is what everybody says, you, you can't win your first round, but you can lose it. So you want to be safe. But I think the first round is not actually always 12 safe players. It doesn't just mean there's 12 safe players because you're in the first round, right? Like the first round is actually, in my opinion, if you go by that, that mantra, like you don't want to win it, but you just don't want, or you want to win it, you just don't want to lose it. To me, it's like Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, maybe one or two other guys. And then you get into this new category where it's like, there's no longer any safe guys. You might as well now just go for the crazy upside, which is why I think Jamar Chase makes sense. Because like, there's no one else that is safe anyway. Yeah. So, But to come back to that, you're probably right. That's where I see Derrick Henry and McCaffrey. And it's like, we talked, we joked about the memento tattoos. The Chase the ceiling. Ourselves last season, because we don't want to forget them. And Derrick Henry, it's like, remember Derrick Henry? was like still a top three running back like four weeks after he was out for the season. He was like still in the top five, like six weeks later. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I will see. we have like months to decide all this, but vibes right now was, I think there's a tremendous transition period at the running back position, but without the normal, like, you know, obviously the, the Craig, you talked a year ago about how we were kind of like fading out of this cycle of like the Saquons, the Camaras, the McCaffreys. But I think that the next group has not quite ascended maybe as obviously as we thought they would. Oh, no, And that's why how DK yeah. has three receivers in his top four. Right. But there's a chance that next season is the year where it's Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and DeAndre Swift. That's what I was like going to ask you next. Who are the guys, if we wanted to pretend the top five running backs of 2023, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Harris, Mixon, DK, do you agree? Javante, who else would you fill that mm -hmm. out with? Brees. Brees Hall for the Jets? I mean, yeah, you could do, I don't know, man. You could do Cam Akers if, if he comes back. You could do Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think, dude, I, I, I don't know about that one. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a world in which that's true. Um, but that, make, that makes me worried. J.K. Dobbins, maybe? I don't know. 
I want to talk about Austin Eckler for a second. Heifetz has him at three. DK has him at five. And I, I have him at seven. Why are you guys so high on Eckler? Uh, explosiveness, big plays, touchdowns, pass catching. Uh, definitely not like volume. You know what I mean? My only concern with Eckler is whether his body can hold up to the whole season and like the bigger workload. But the reality is Eckler's like kind of an insane person with working out and like taking care <laughs> of his body. I would say that, I mean, the charges I'll talk about with reverence, you know, he's like this seventh round running back who's made it this far. Have you seen his shoulders? You seen he his traps? The, he, you know, the inst- if you follow his Instagram, he does the one arm pull ups and he can do like 11 of them. He has some nickname about how good he is at working out. Pound for pound, do they call him? Or yeah, like yeah. That? They call him the pound for pound. Yeah, they say he's the pound for pound strongest player in the NFL. Which actually might be true. I just don't know. Like he had twenty touchdowns last year. That's, he had yeah. he had twelve rushing. He had twelve rushing touchdowns last year on twelve goal line carries. <laughs> yeah, so I think all twenty of the touchdowns that's, came in in the red zone, and yeah, on the surface, bad. that's concerning. In reality, Herbert, and they that means good. he was getting all the goal line touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like it means he was the guy always in the red zone. And I yeah, but even for like back. elite players, that's screaming regression. It is, you know but I mean? it happened the year before, too. Didn't it? in 2020, he also have like eight receiving touchdowns? Yeah, receiving, but that to me is a little bit different. He had 12 rushing touchdowns last year, and before that, the most he had was three. Yeah. I think the goal line stuff is, there's some very, uh, it's like va- variation there. It's it's a lot of like, um, you know, just like luck, for lack of a better word. Um, the other thing I think that's interesting is like, we had these discussions with Alvin Kamara forever about... Where he's not, he he can't keep up this insane efficiency. He can't keep up this insane touchdown efficiency. Blah blah blah. And then he just did it for like four straight years. Um, and so I think I see Eckler in the same manner in terms of like yards over expected. Um, you know, broken tackles, explosiveness, all that stuff. He's just a special player in the same vein as like an Alvin Kamara. Whereas um, I guess like the alternative would be like a Jarondre Swift, where you I think you're really wholly reliant on him getting the volume. Whereas I think Eckler can you know, turn a few fewer touches into still like really elite production. So that's kind of like where I am on that. Kamara is kind of a good comp because you're like, well, he can't keep scoring touchdowns like this, but it's it's the Drew Brees offense is scoring touch. It's the Drew Brees, Sean Payton with the Chargers, you're Like it's Herbert. Herbert is, yeah. you're betting on it on the scoring efficiency of a transcendent quarterback to offense that's on the rise. But I agree, Craig, at the end of the day, like I, you could convince, I have no problem with Eckler at seven because it's not even just the efficient. The reality is he's a small dude. And betting on a small running back when he gets older is a little scary. And the Chargers seem like they always want a sidekick for him. Like they had Melvin Gordon. They like tried the Josh Kelly thing. They just drafted Isaiah Spiller. Like it seems like they don't want to give him the ball that much because of his size. No. They want to keep him healthy and fresh. Yeah. But he's still getting the high value. Ek- we said earlier, Eckler himself is the guy who said that. But also I do think Eckler is kind of limiting his touches in certain parts of the field so that he gets 100% of the goal. You know, it's not as simple as like, just, oh, well, it's not likely to happen again. I do think Eckler's might be pulling himself off in certain parts of the field to always be in certain situations. You want to know my 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 post-hype sleeper, my favorite player in this top 10? Yes. It's Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I'm ringing the bell for Alvin Kamara, post-hype sleeper. I was completely right. off him last year. Giant disclaimer that Alvin Kamara, there's a chance he gets suspended for stuff that happened in Las Vegas earlier True, this year. True, right. He got in a physical altercation. Um, Alvin Kamara, I was off last year. And like it, now it looks like I was correct, but I really wasn't. He was the third best running back in fantasy when Jameis was healthy for those first seven games. Interesting. And then it all fell off a cliff. And now, eh, New Orleans, Michael Thomas back, Chris Olave, J- uh, Jameis, maybe like this, this offense might be way better than last year. And Kamara's like, I still think one of the best like, wait, three wait, running why, backs in the league. Let me hear that. Why do you think this offense might be way better than last year? 
Well, they have actual receivers playing for them, and their quarterback will be healthy. Okay. Michael Thomas is back. They just trade up for Olave. That's fair. Uh, yeah, the quarterback being healthy is a big one too. Um, and they also I, have an, they have a new play caller, which is going to be a wrinkle. That's the thing. It's I, I, that's what I'm curious about. Is you're obviously you're right about Jameis getting hurt, but it's I, I, I'm it's so weird to think about Sean Payton not running the Saints that I'm curious how similar it'll be. Think of, think about how important it's going to be that Taysom Hill's going to be playing tight end. I mean, think about what he'll unlock at that spot. <laughs> also, we don't have to deal with that bullshit with him playing quarterback. <laughs> thank like, God, thank Christ. Yeah, we'll see if Kamara <laughs> gets suspended. I, I have him way lower, but I think I I, I kind of think he is going to miss time. But we'll see. We'll see. By the way, happens. Mark Ingram is still on the Saints. Uh, <laughs> Good for which him. I just realized. <laughs> you know how you know how LeBron James always has James Jones on his teams, and everyone's like, "Did jo- James Jones witness LeBron murder somebody?" <laughs> I kind of feel like Mark Ingram, man. That guy's not. He's gonna be in the league till he's forty, dude. He's thirty two. James Jones running the Phoenix Suns and just like sent LeBron a player as a favor because he's like, yeah. "That's my guy." Who did he <laughs> trade to the Lakers? Because they just were like, "LeBron called me." I was like, "You know, that's my guy." I'm like, "Dude, you're in charge of the team." I know. <laughs> not how this works wait who was that craig now i want to know i don't remember but i do know what you're talking about uh if you want to look that up but um that's funny that marking him still on the saints yeah i don't know why i just really like camara like i feel like we're all done with him now it's like he's 26 and like maybe the best running back in the league yeah well i think the thing is with camara and i'm hoping this will change this year because- oh tyson chandler sorry that was the oh, yeah. <laughs> just traded tyson chandler to lebron to the, just to make lebron happy um, what I was going to say about Kamara though is like basically last year they sort of tried to tur- it felt like they tried to turn him into like a prototypical regular running back where they're yeah. like letting him carry the ball 30 times a game or whatever something ridiculous uh, he had a career high 240 carries which was 46 more than any other season and he missed career. four games well yeah and it's like don't try and turn him into that like let him keep catching passes man but this is also where the context matters at the season because like remember the whole weird thing with michael thomas and his recovery and whether he was going to play or not and like i don't know if the saints were 100 prepared to not have michael thomas and then they obviously didn't have a ton of receiving options behind him so like i think camara was the offense but i don't know i'm not i'm kind of down on camara this year i kind of feel like camara is going to be taken right around where the top of where i feel he's going to be able to perform but I, I'd rather just kind of not have any Camara this year. I kind of am going to be happy to let other people take him in the top fifteen, and I'd rather, it's, it's, as Craig likes to cosplay as Bill Belichick, like rather be out a year early on Camara than a year too late. And I don't think there's two years left. I'll put it that way. So he says that after ch- choosing Chris McCaffrey at number yeah. two. <laughs> well, the diff- no, I've been riding that one out. <laughs> That's fair. But the difference is that when McCaffrey <laughs> plays, he's still getting. I mean, when Caffrey plays, he's still incredible, and you're like he's still like getting 27 points per game when he's playing. I know, even with terrible quarterbacking. Camaro, my point, I think my point though, and I, I think that's that's well, well well taken or whatever. But like my point with with Camara is like we didn't really see the real Camara last year. Like they were trying to turn him into something he's not. And I think the value Camara brings is he's such a dynamic pass catcher. Look at the receptions in his career. He's been in the season. He's been in the NFL for five seasons. 81, 81, 81, 83, and then 47 last year. But that, but I, I get that. But I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. What changed, DK? 
Drew Brees, the fucking checkdown king, is getting yeah. exactly eighty four catches. They went catches from Drew Brees and then to Jameis Winston. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm but, saying if J if Jameis is in though, they will they will use him as a receiver. I just think last year was a fucking disaster in New Orleans, yeah. and it's it was. just not going to be this year. I I don't know. I mean, knock on wood, we'll but like I just if he's playing, I I can't see him not being like a top eight running back. And again, he might get suspended for a significant chunk of the season. How many okay. games did Taysom end up starting? I, I have like blocked out the Saints. Do you remember that season. Cowboys game where Taysom Hill threw so many interceptions against the Dallas defense that he actually won people games because he'd throw a pick and they would pick six it. And then they got the <laughs> ball back and he would like run for 30 yards and he actually netted points, even though he's kept turning the ball over. <laughs> Taysom actually started, uh, started four games. That's five. It? Five wow. games last year. Nightmare. Five games as a quarterback went four and one, and that's why Sean Payton's going to get a lot of money from wherever he wants to coach next. Okay. <laughs> On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Go to fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Check out our whole top 200. Our whole draft guide's going to be there all summer. It's going to be fantastic. Well, it is fantastic. It's live right now. We're going to add a lot more bells and whistles as the summer gets going. But fantasyfootball.theringer.com. Please check it out. Let's get to some emails. Yeah. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you have thoughts on this, thoughts on our top 10, thoughts on our top 200, thoughts on the draft guide. We want to hear from you. Thoughts on random musings, fun facts about the cosmos, fantasy court, whatever you want. <laughs> about the cosmos. Okay. Email from Rick. Rick. Yeah, you guys are Rick. in practice. Where's the Rick? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Hey, guys, I noticed a whiff while listening to the episode last week when you guys were talking about the Chiefs receiver Sky Moore and the Seahawks running back, Kenneth Walker, and you're talking about how they'd be drafted differently if their names were different. Oh, wow. But you missed the ultimate name combination, which is you should combine their name into Skywalker. Wow. wow. Maybe I'll start calling Kenneth Walker Skywalker. We should have We should have called That'd this. be super cool. Kenneth, if you're listening, we have a name for your first child. By the way, speaking of Kenny Walker, Kenneth Walker, uh, during the pre-draft process, I've spent the last four months studying these guys, plus, four months plus, um... He was either referred to as Kenneth Walker III, Kenny Walker, or I think those are the only ways I saw it. Well, but then he came out after in CX first OTAs or whatever, their first little like mini camp. He wants to go by Ken. I didn't saw I didn't see anybody mm. say Ken Walker in the pre-draft process. Well, I've never once heard that. That's he goes, he goes by Ken. Ken. That's encouraging because I feel like of all the <laughs> names where it's like, actually, I'd prefer you say my full name. Like, I'm Danny. And it's like, ah, I'd prefer Daniel. My father was Ken. I, I want to yeah, be Kenneth. Daniel's yeah. my father. I feel like of all the names where you'd be like, really, you want to go by that? It's like Kenneth is to me the most unnatural name to like call someone colloquially. Like, oh, yeah, my friend Kenneth. You know what right. I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Ken Walker, June, uh, the third. Yeah. So I'm going to call him that. Ken Walk. Ken run. run. Is there a running back named Ken? Is there any other running back in the history of football named Ken? Well, probably sure. a lot of Kennies. I was thinking about that. There is a guy famous in the Seattle area called Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 
But there aren't a lot of Kens out there that I've seen in sports. Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe I'm just misremembering. Ken Lee Jansen? I don't know. Okay, we got an email from Zach. Zach. Zach says, I'm in a 14-team PPR league with my dad and his buddies. The only connection I have to this league is my dad. I don't know anyone else. It's a bunch of retirees (laughs) in their 60s. Very old school league. They adopted decimal scoring this year. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite. I like whole numbers. (laughs) He says, it's been going on for about two decades. I ended up winning the league this year, maybe because he uses the internet. And I was actually pretty excited <laughs> for the payout because it's a significant amount of money. The entry fee is $180. Like wow, there's 180 buy-in and they go they don't use decibels? Yeah, wow. <laughs> this those league for, is intriguing. Those are for the libs. <laughs> I was thinking I was sitting pretty hit. Oh, sorry, I can't read. I was thinking I was sitting pretty for a huge cash payout. Well, not so much. When we received the payout email, I all, almost lost my damn mind. Every <laughs> single league I'd been in in my life has more or less the same payout. The top three teams get paid. The third place team basically gets their money back. Mm -hmm. And then first and second split it. First gets a lot. Third gets their money back. Second gets something in between. Right. This league is nothing of the sort. $180 entry fee. 14 (laughs) 14 teams. teams. That's (laughs) that's more than $2,500 in the pool. Holy shnikes. The commissioner took $100 off the top himself for, quote, admin fees. Okay, that's a bit much. Wow, I got to incorporate that into my league. (laughs) I know, right? That was a bookie in high school. $130 (laughs) comes out for high score bonuses. He says, that's fine to me. Basically, the high score every week gets $10. I'm in a league that does that. It's fun. $50 for the consolation bracket winner. And he writes, no offense, but if you couldn't make the top seven teams in the league, why am I giving you $50 to beat a bunch of losers in a consolation bracket? Agree. That's fair. And then Zach says, that brings us to the most egregious part of all of this. And my main (laughs) gripe. I came to find our league pays out all seven playoff teams. <laughs> Technically eight when you count the consolation winner. Every team that makes the playoff gets paid. Here's the breakout. Essentially, here's how it goes. So winner just gets a third of the pot. But if you actually look at the math, first and second combined get 55%. And then third, fourth, fifth, sixth, <laughs> and seventh what like the split the other 45%. It's not perfectly even, but it kind of is. So like fifth, sixth, seventh are each getting seven percent. Third and fourth are getting twelve percent. What each. is this? The NBA lottery? This is ridiculous. Yeah, it looks like the reading is it looks like the lottery odds. But yeah, first and second, fifty five percent of the money, and then the other forty five is the next like five people. I find this very ironic that a bunch of boomers are giving out essentially participation trophies. This is why I want to talk about it. <laughs> this is don't the boomers I, hate participation trophies? What's no happening? Handouts. <laughs> a younger person is out here being like, what's with all the boomer socialism? <laughs> Seriously. This is so bizarre. Zach writes, is it me or is this completely insane? I'm not trying to be a sore winner here, but paying every single playoff team makes zero sense to me. Eight teams make the playoffs. And then he says, thanks for your time and consideration. And he wants to know if he should suggest an alternate model. But I, yes. I kind of just think it's funny to pitch winner take all capitalism to like boomers and the young guys like less socialism, please. Did Zach just figure this out now? Has he never finished in the top seven before? Wouldn't so he, he have known this? He just joined. Oh. He, this is his oh, first oh. year in the league, and he won. <laughs> I'm, I'm still hung up on the fact that the commission takes 100 bucks off the top just for admin. What a racket. <laughs> I think that, no, I'll tell you what that is. I think that's a pre-internet thing where he says right. now I think they use ESPN. 
before the internet, I think that's totally fair because they he was like writing up the draft about, board with Sharpie. Yeah, you have to add the box scores. Yeah, absolutely. I'd pay my conditioner 10 bucks to do that every single week for 17 weeks. <laughs> but now that the, you're just setting up like a league on ESPN and sending emails, it's, I don't know. Yeah, this wow. is whack. Get rid of it. This top is ridiculous. Three, top three only and or throw well, in a Here's few the high problem, though. Winners. Are you is is he really going to push for this after he won and then next year he doesn't win and now he doesn't get to partake? It's like social point. like all these older well, people are going to use all the social security. What, what and then is he's going to age out? And he's not going to have any left. On, what is? Let's do the math here. What's seven percent of the pot here? Point oh seven times twenty five hundred. <laughs> It's going to be like 200 bucks. That's $175. So basically, yeah. they why get, are they paying wow. out the, these are ridiculous payouts? Oh my so God. So you, you, you literally get your buy in if you get seventh. Well, now that you say it, yeah, fifth, sixth, seventh all get the buy in. This is so ridiculous. So the, I guess the only people, and then third and fourth, what's 12% of the, what's the, yeah, doing yeah math whatever. It's 300 bucks. So yeah, I guess, wow, third and fourth are doubling their money. <laughs> I, like, like, I think this should be a high stakes league. The first place winner gets all $180 buy-in in a 14 team league. And seventh place. <laughs> I can buy a new kitchen. Furious. Cause imagine $2,500 pot and you win 700 and change, but then like fourth place is getting 300. How do they come up with these percentages? Like, how are they like, uh, fifth place gets 7%. I think it's buy-in. 7%? I think that it's fifth, sixth, seventh is basically the buy-in back, which is crazy. And then but why, why does fourth get 12%? Like, how do they do that? <laughs> should we, we should bring these people on the pod. We should bring the people who like came up. Zach, if you want to try to bring the commissioner on the pod to explain himself and explain, you know, all this boomer socialism, we'd like to hear about it. Okay. Yeah. If you get him on the pod, we'll just freaking excoriate him. <laughs> Is it, I think if you exorciate or excoriate. I think it's excoriate. I've gotten that I think, wrong. I before. think Craig was right, but I could be. Yeah, I that's think like he, when no, you I said, ha uh, "What did you say?" Um, Hap -ha half hazard. Half hazard. <laughs> he still says it, by the way. Half hazard. <laughs> well, that one I get why I'm. I, that one is the only one I'll defend. The other ones I'm all wrong. But yeah, like, but you say half hazard. It would be half hazard if you're like reading it correctly. He's not wrong. <laughs> you say half hazard if, as if there was several H's in there. Yeah, phonetically, it's oh, half hazard as well. So it's half hazard mistakes. Yeah, so we had a five. Your brain is playing tricks on you, Heifetz. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Wow, you're we right. should just do a pod where we try and pronounce words that are weird, like penalty. Did oh, you God. see someone? Oh, that if you listen on Spotify, listen to our pod on Spotify. They transcribed the episodes, and yeah. someone screenshotted the the transcription of it, trying to spell how I say penalty, penalty, penalty. Oh God! And then let's just say they had a, they had trouble with it. Yeah, Spotify couldn't figure it out. Fantasy court time. Court is in session. All rise. Fantasy court's from Nelson. 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 Nelly. As you may remember, last year saw the meteoric rise of a viral fantasy football challenge, the 24-hour Waffle House punishment, which anyone who's listened to a trailer on the Ringer Podcast Network, sorry if you heard that a trillion times. <laughs> you probably aren't listening now because you hate us. No. So Nelson writes, so to refresh, the loser of our league's punishment was spending 24 hours in a Waffle House with an hour removed per waffle eaten. We are a league of mostly broke college students on differ different campuses around the country and a non-monetarily taxing and whimsical punishment such as the Waffle House challenge was something we all thought would be a fun challenge whimsical. for the loser of the league. <laughs> a whimsical, yeah. However, when the proverbial Whimsy. bill yeah. came due... The last place guy decided he did not have the time to complete the punishment. 
That's a I quote. Did this. not have the time. Yeah. The league group chat erupted as the punished individual has until the beginning of the next NFL season to complete the Waffle House Challenge, which in our opinion is plenty of time. Agreed. The league has convened and has come to the tentative agreement that the punishment for not completing the Waffle House Challenge will be that his first round selection. Did my voice just crack? Woof. Yeah, His first round selection will be vacated for the next five seasons until he wow. completes said waffle. It's a lot. Five seasons. I've expressed concern that this punishment creates a feedback loop where the punished party will continually lose the league, flake on the punishment, and then quit the league eventually. We all like playing with this guy outside of the incident, but there must be some retribution with such a heinous fantasy breach of honor. With that in mind, I have three questions for the court. Is the draft capital-based punishment too harsh? Five first-round picks for not doing the Waffles Challenge. Two, if this is the route the league chooses, how do we enforce the first round vac the vacating the picks? And three, how should the league enforce punishments against people who refuse to complete them? Well, my first question is, was this unanimously agreed upon before the season? Was the Waffle House thing agreed upon? Did this guy say, I'm, I'm for it? Let's say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's um, just saying, if, he, if now ever, he's if, changing if you, his mind. Generally speaking, that would be an easy like dismissal. If you try to inflict like a harsh punishment and everyone doesn't like all agree on it before, that's tough. But let's just say for these purposes, everyone agreed to it. Five, five, five picks is pretty harsh. I don't know if I would do that. Um, yeah, I don't. I, also, the idea that it creates—he's just going to be in like he's going to be in last place every year because he's never first round. But pick. there's the punishment, which again, the sentencing we can like take that off the back. Like you can lower five to one. I think this is kind of egregious. You know what kind of really rubbed me the wrong way? There's mm. two. There's a key sentence here that they're all broke college students, and this kid said he doesn't have the time. To spend 12 hours in a Waffle House. Eat 12 waffles and go there on Saturday. 24 hours. What does this hours. guy have going on? Well, it's 24 hours, but eat 12 waffles. You're there oh. for 12 hours. Also, okay. like, come on. You're telling me you don't have one day in the entire summer where you got nothing to do. He's a college student. What is he doing with his time? That, that's my problem. Maybe if he was the man job. and he was just like, I'm not doing it. Maybe he's working a job and going to school. Um... <laughs> I agree, though, Heifetz. When I read that, I was like, are you kidding? Like, he, th this is a cop-out. That's such an excuse. Like, if any of his friends hang out with him one day over summer and they just, like, smoke weed and watch Family Guy all day, he could have done it that day. I completely agree. Like, also, oh, if you're a college student, but is it, it says, you can it, bring your, do your homework at the Waffle House. He does confirm that he says they all agreed on it, too. In the email, it says, we all agreed upon it at the league start. Oh, 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 oh I missed that. Um, I do agree if about the feedback loop thing, though. Or this guy's just going to not do this challenge, lose five first-round picks, continue to get last, and continue to not do the last-place challenges. I agree. And, like, but, well, to DK's point, I do want to be sensitive. Like, look, if he's really, you know, broke for time and stuff and, like, has, you know, work a job, go to college, I get that. But also, there's probably a lot of work you can get done at the Waffle House. There you go. You know, it's just a library that serves waffles. It's ex Exactly. Someone no say it's probably there. a much better place to get work done than the library. No one's bothering you, but their, their library is terrible waffles. Counterpoint. Win the league without a first-round pick. That'd be sick. No, but I do think, but I get them wanting to enforce it. Yeah, I know. This, this is kind of a good, like, callback to what we were talking about earlier in the pod where all these first round picks are risky. It'd be maybe an interesting experiment. Maybe this guy wins because he doesn't have a first round pick because he didn't waste it on, you know, whoever. So no, yes, I, I, two games five in. years sounds harsh, but I do think there needs to be a punishment because they're like, well, we like him. We, no, you can't let people off the hook. Everyone agreed to this. Someone else would have done this. You got to If he loses again, maybe he'll go to the Waffle House. Go to the damn Waffle House. What about this? Double league fee. Yeah. Double the entry fee if you don't do it. 
Well, I was going to say, yeah, pay for the winner and the second place person or something. They're, you pay their buy-ins. I think but everyone these can are come to their own college things. kids. Apparently, ideally, you want people to do the Waffle House thing because it's more fun. And if he's really going to be a wimp about it, it just sounds like he doesn't want to do this, which is the reason well, that it's a then punishment. he shouldn't agree to it. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. there's peer pressure. I think that that goes with the last plate punishment thing. Where like, if there's like a group of twelve guys and like four of them and one of them is the conditioner, a commissioner are like edgy, crazy, daring guys like you know you got to go streaking through downtown and then like if 10 of the 12 people are like haha waffle house that sounds awesome and you're the one guy who's like damn i, I don't want to do that like i can see you just being like all right i got a one in 12 shot at finishing last like screw it i'll say yes and then it happens and then you're like shit i don't know what to do now <laughs> um but you got to speak up then i don't know what to say if you don't want to do the waffle house thing speak up and say you don't want to do the waffle house thing you got to do it but the problem is if you let this guy go just by paying the money, then does whatever punishment you come up with in the future, then the last person is going to owe more money. That's not fun. Like, yeah. oh, they got to pay their entry fee next year. Like, who cares? Like, the whole point of, like, fantasy football is a giant mechanism to waste their time and stay close with your friends. And, like, half the fun is one of your friends has to just completely and utterly embarrass themselves every year in a punishment. That's fun. And then you break that code, you're breaking the trust, and now no one's going to want to embarrass themselves. And then at that point, you just have a group text. <laughs> yeah, I, I know this is, a, I don't know. I don't know what to say. This is a tough beat for this guy. Punish him. Maybe not five first round picks, but punish him. Maybe one year. I think five is too specific. He should just be punished. Five is a lot. Get clipped every year <laughs> till he does it. Yeah. Like, like at this point, indefinitely, he has another year to do it. He doesn't have a Saturday. DK, you have a child. I'm surprised you're not a little more in on like a, a random college student not having one Saturday. Well, how do we know he doesn't have a kid? True. It's possible. Well, <laughs> then I get that. I feel like they should have mentioned that in the email. We don't right. know the details of this man's life, but we're, you know yeah. what? Whatever. We don't have to like play that game where we're like, technically, we have no idea. <laughs> you can spend a day at a Waffle this House. This is a non binding edict. So. I feel like that would have came up. <laughs> If he's like, I have a child to He's watch. not going to take us to court, so that's fine. To actual court, sorry. <laughs> okay. I think that this they This is should... a non-binding resolution here. My, my, my proposal is that he should just have first-round pick clipped every year till he does the Waffle House thing. There we or go. he makes up some other future. Perhaps a different kind of punishment can be agreed on that is equally embarrassing but more palatable to the public. Holding the first-round picks hostage is kind of a fun idea. Yeah, it should just be indefinite. <laughs> okay court decided i like it all right bring in the dancing lobsters court dismissed bring in the dancing lobsters fantasyfootball.theringer.com check out our draft guide we're gonna go on a little hiatus we're gonna be coming back to everyone in mid-june late june june mid-ish mid june 21st mid to late june and we'll be back, and we're going to be just doing everything fantasy. We're going full bore. We're really excited for this year. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And again, our draft guides, they're going to be updating it all the time. We don't really need to because all the rankings are correct. So <laughs> we're going to do it anyway, though. We're going to make it prettier. And again, thank you, everyone, for listening. Email us at ringerfantasyfootball.gmail.com. If you have fantasy courts, if you have people in your league who don't want to do their punishments, we'll shame them for you, possibly. Mm -hmm. And again. Publicly. Also, you can send us fantasy football questions. That's also allowed. Ringerfantasyfootballgmail.com. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Lorne. Lorne. 
Thank you, Led Zeppelin. Ooh, nice. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Evil, who I learned on the old rewatchables this week was based on Lauren Michaels, which I did not Not only was he based on Lauren Michaels, it was Dana Carvey's impression that Mike Myers practically stole. Oh. That part, I actually, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, Mike Myers, notoriously difficult to work with in Hollywood. Look it up. That's how I feel about Craig. Craig's just notoriously difficult to work with. Just a prima donna. Yeah, I'm going to have my own Austin Powers as a pod where I'm all three characters. It's just me (laughs) doing DK and Heifetz. That sounds like an awful lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did get that part where it's like it's not just that he stole the impression but that he did it himself in a movie where he already had the main role and he could have just asked Dana to do the thing in the movie Dana did the pinky thing backstage at SNL for years impersonating Lauren and then Jim Carrey was was supposed to play Dr. Evil he had to back out for scheduling reasons and then he still didn't go ask Dana Carvey and instead said <laughs> oh. I'll just play him myself so why do you think that was do you think it was because they did the Wayne's World stuff and you, they didn't want he didn't want it to be like another Michael Myers Dana Carvey thing it was like this is my thing and I don't want him there yeah I think that Mike Myers um was kind of an insecure figure in Hollywood at the time and really didn't want to be outshined by Dana Carvey. He didn't even want Dana Carvey to really be in Wayne's World when he wrote it. He wrote a really small part for him and said, I don't I don't want to be in it. And the studio was like, Dana Carvey's going to be fucking in Wayne's World, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did the studio say? Dana Carvey's going to be fucking in yeah, Wayne's World. Literally. That yeah. is quite literally what they said. That's oh, how wow. I made my rankings. I, I almost had McCaffrey outside the top 10. I was like, I think Christian McCaffrey's going to be in. <laughs> He's going to be fucking in the top in five. He's going to be there. 10. Yeah. So that's how it went. Can we do like a little subset? Like, Craig, pitch your Hollywood uh, podcast, by the way, while we're here. Oh, The Town with Matt Bellamy. Yeah. yeah, check it out. Inside Scoop on Hollywood, three times a week. Short, little, digestible 15, 20 minute episodes. We just did the, the, the 2022 streaming service draft. So check it out. Nice. Where'd Quibi come in? Not even on the list, baby. (laughs) Suck it, Katzenberg.